So hello, everyone. I'd like to welcome you all to the latest installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column. I am your host, Lee Nichols. Now, we have two very special guests joining us today from Shell. We have Dave Kidd, who is the Commercial Director of Decarbonization Technologies, and Laurent Thomas, Licensing Technology Manager, CO2 Capture Technologies. And today, we're going to be discussing with these two gentlemen uh, the diving into the world of carbon capture, including things like cost, investment, challenges, and some of the solutions as well. So with that, we got a lot to get to, so we want to go ahead and get started. I'd like to welcome in our two special guests. Dave, Laurent, how are y'all doing today? Yeah, doing good. Thank you, Lee. Doing great, Lee. Thanks. Perfect. So now before we dive into um, the details uh, about carbon capture and cost investment, things like that. Can you let the listeners know a little bit more about Shell Catalyst and Technologies and, of course, your role with the, with the company? So, Dave, why don't you go ahead and start first? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Thanks Lee. Um, so, Shell Catalyst and Technologies, it, it sits within Shell's project and technology organization. Uh, and Shell Catalyst and Technologies, or SC&T, uh, it was really formed in, in 2018. Um, we brought together the catalyst businesses and our technology licensing business uh, under the same umbrella. Um, but saying that, Shell has a long history, uh, a long track record of providing its customers with high performance catalysts in both chemicals and refining applications. Uh, so that, that history goes a lot further back. Uh, and likewise, in technology licensing, Shell obviously has a has a rich heritage there too. Um, so yeah, the, the way we're kind of structured within SC&T is we have we have manufacturing, marketing, MBD businesses. We have the regional technical and sales uh, organizations that cover catalyst and traditional licensing. Um, but we also have a dedicated decarbonization team, uh, and that's that's where I sit. Uh, so like you say, I'm commercial director uh, for the UK. Uh, in that role, I manage all the commercial aspects. Uh, of projects that we're working with in the UK, uh, and where we're where we're providing our decarbonisation technology, uh, and that could be to both support shell assets to decarbonise, uh, but also third-party customers that we're helping t- on that journey as well. Um, and in terms of the main technologies that, that I cover in that role, uh, it's renewable fuels, uh, it's blue hydrogen technology, and it's importantly carbon capture, uh, both pre and post combustion technologies where we have uh, our cancel CO2 technology on the post-combustion side. Excellent. And how about you, Laurent? Well, I'm basically the link between commercial directors like Dave and our centers of, uh, of excellence, uh, centers of expertise. Um, so providing technical support to um, people like Dave and, and then making sure we we line up the right resources, whether these are process engineers, um, discipline engineers, process special or other specialists, to um, to support the the projects, uh, and also making sure we get you know the right uh, right learnings and right feedback from the market. And it's it goes back to our our centers of expertise to to mature the technology further to to respond or even anticipate the uh, the demands of the market. Excellent. And I'm glad you, you mentioned that because that's kind of a segue into where I want to go. And, and of course, that's the, the deep dive here into carbon capture. Um, I know over the past few years, we've seen a whole lot more interest in uh, carbon capture and storage. So can you tell us where ge- geographically this interest is greatest and which industries are considering it most strongly? 
Yeah, so so it has to go for with you know different factors. The 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 first one is uh, the incentives that governments are putting in place to uh, you know uh, nurture the development of CO two capture. This can be uh, you know in the form of taxes or, or funding of projects or or tax incentives. Um, second parameter is the the availability of CO two storage space um, to put the CO two once you've captured it. Uh, and, then, and then to some extent, you know, some familiarity with the uh, uh, the technologies that have to do with sequestration, uh, in particular from the uh, upstream oil and gas also help. So for example, in, in, in North America, uh, if you look at Canada and the US definitely have poor space to put the CO2 in. Uh, they, they have, you know, a, a tradition of, of you know, upstream uh, oil and gas industry. Um, and then the incentives out there, the, the tax, the carbon tax that's been uh, that's being put in place in Canada, uh, and there's the uh, the uh, what used to be the 45Q and, and now the Infl Inflation Reduction Act in the, in the states that is fostering the development of, of CO2 capture. So in this in this in this region, there's there's a strong development of uh, of CCS. Uh, in terms of industry, there the the first movers historically have been the uh, the power industry, but now you basically see, you know, everyone getting in, getting interest in CO2 capture, and I would say especially the what we call the the hard to abate industries, uh, for who the CO2 emissions come not only from energy production but inherently from the process, uh, and it will have to do CO2 capture at some point. So there's a situation in in North America. I think Dave has a has a really good view on what's happening in Europe and in, in UK in particular, Dave. Yeah, thanks, Laurent. Um, yeah, I guess we see a lot of the a lot of similar things in the UK uh, and Europe. The UK had taken quite an active lead in in getting the right frameworks in pay, in place. Uh, there's a lot of public support and pressure for the for the government to decarbonise as well. So some specific areas that that do drive things forward in in the UK. Uh, Laurent mentioned power being one of the first movers we've got a government target to uh, to decarbonize power production in the uk um hitting net zero by 2035 so that that all helps um and the incentives um are there as well so as well as the poor space that that laurent mentioned so we see we see that there we've seen some recent um pickup in, in other areas other technologies um or sorry other sectors i should say so refining um and energy from waste uh, have both been um seeing multiple projects approaches for for looking at our cancel co2 technology there as well um and, and starting to see much more move in in europe as well <clears throat> i think for the last six months there's been a, a real surge in the us with uh, the inflation reduction act uh, being published, uh, and now we're seeing a bit of a response, right, from from Europe, and countries like uh, like Denmark um, starting to come through and show more interest in carbon capture as well. Germany starting to maybe change their position a bit from initially being um, quite anti uh, CCS, and now now really looking at that as as part of the solution. So we're seeing that that really evolve as well in the marketplace. Yeah, and so when we're we're seeing this big uptick, of course, and in, in like you mentioned, uh, the CCS projects, um, especially like US uh, and, and Europe. But one of the biggest challenges I know is the cost. 
So can you just let us know what Shell Catalyst and Technologies has been doing to help projects progress by reducing that big challenge, which is, of course, the cost of capture? Yeah, so we're, we're definitely working on the on the technology itself, on the process to to reduce the cost of capture. Um, and the approach with, we're taking is is first to um, work on new formulations for for the solvent. Uh, we we tend we're working also on new new solvents, but we tend to like the approach of of um, using the same solvent that's a proven good solvent, and and then tweaking the formulation so that it gets better. Uh, uh, or more, you know, um, suited to some some applications. Uh, it's an approach that we've been successful with for for our pre-combustion capture technology, the ADIP technology, that's been successful for decades and that has evolved over time and 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 stayed among the the best performing technologies. Um, so you know, testing uh, new formulations, demonstrating new formulations, also building on the uh, the experience from uh, from projects and from from operating plants that we we have in operation to uh, come up with uh, improved design guidelines, uh, less conservative design guidelines, uh, and also you know, integrating in our design the use of uh, new advanced equipment, whether these are gas liquid uh, contacting internals, uh, heat exchangers, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, essentially trying to make the technology, the process as, as cost effective as possible. Uh, this, in addition, of course, to looking at how how the plant is uh, engineered and constructed, but that's part of our, our partnership uh, with Technip that maybe we'll touch upon later. Excellent, and, and yes, I do. I want to I want to swing back around to the Technip Energies partnership here in just a sec. Um, before that, though, of course, the people that are trying to develop these uh, CCS projects, they know cost is one of the biggest challenges, but I'm also curious about what are some of the other biggest challenges that companies are facing when they're considering uh, putting together a, a post-combustion capture project? Yeah, let, let me take that one, Lee. So I guess one of the, the biggest challenges that I see is, is uncertainty. Um, so that coming through from maybe a bit of a lack of clarity um, on what subsidies uh, and support are available from from governments. Um, sometimes business models aren't always uh, defined yet. So understanding how much money a project is going to make, what the returns going to look like, um, can be a real challenge. So um, to, to give you one example, if we look at um, at BEX, so bioenergy with carbon capture and storage, if we look at that, the, the business model is not not fully defined yet um, in certain places, and and that that gives that level of uncertainty. Um, also around how how governments actually manage their own processes. So um, if we look at the, the UK as an example, um, we have uh, a very managed cluster sequencing uh, process where uh, the government will give access to, to carbon capture stores or CO2 stores. Um, but that's that's a that's a phased process. So we're currently in in track one, um, but there's a bunch of projects out there that are waiting to to figure out what track two looks like, and uh, that again gives just gives uncertainty because they don't know or have that uh, clarity on on how that looks. So I think that's that's difficult for projects to to manage, right? You have a project team together, 
um, you don't know if you don't know what the timeline looks like or you're reliant on government to, to influence your timeline, it's uh, that's a challenge. Um, in, in addition to that, I think risk is is really important. So many projects that we're working on uh, are first of a kind projects. They're large projects, big investments. Uh, so that that all adds to the the complexity and and the challenges that uh, that companies are facing. Laurent, do you want to add any others? Oh, maybe maybe I'll just add two. Uh, one is 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 uh, has to do with the um, the outputs uh, for for the CO two and where what to do with the CO two. Um, obviously, it really depends on the on the location. You're uh, you know you're blessed if you're based in Scotland and, and you definitely have some some home for the CO two in the in the North Sea storage space. Um, if you're in Central Europe, it it might become a bit more difficult. If you're in Korea, also at at some point it was. Uh, uh, at least that uh, uh, in the past it's been more difficult. So finding a home for the CO2 can be can be a, a question mark. Uh, and then the second one that's uh, developing more and more has to do with the uh, the environmental aspects and then general acceptability of CCS. We know there's uh, uh, a lot of debate uh, in society about about CCS, uh, but the environmental impact is is part of that. And it's definitely an area where we are we are supporting our customers, in particular when it has to do with with air emissions of the, uh, the CO two capture plants. Excellent. And now I wanted to kind of just circle back uh, to something you mentioned uh, just a little bit ago around about your alliance with Technip Energy. So for people that might not be familiar with it, could you just speak a little bit about it and and how does this alliance help CCS projects better progress? Yeah, I, I can answer that one, um, Lee. So the alliance actually goes back to 2012. So it's not it's not a new thing um, per se, but we've really strengthened and energized that alliance in the last two years. Um, so I think as the current wave of, of CCS projects have really emerged uh, and we're seeing much bigger interest in the market, that's really given us the the platform to to make sure that that partnership is is really effective and, and working well. Um, so we've done, we've done quite a lot of things to make sure that that's the case. Um, so we've we've been working together on some specific projects. Um, I think the the Celsius project uh, at the Energy Firm Waste Facility in in Norway is a good example of that. Um, we're also very active uh, working on NZT Power uh, in the UK. Uh, and, and doing that together. So we've got some good examples of, of collaboration there. Um, we've also co-located teams. Um, so working on the continuous development of the cancel of CO2 technology um, and the engineering that goes with that. Um, we, ha we hold regular workshops and meetings between Shell and Technip, really making sure that the, the whole teams are, are working very effectively together um, so that yeah, our ways of working are established, and ultimately to make sure that customer experience uh, is is the best it can be, uh, and that our customers get the the best possible uh, design of the technology that they're going to receive. Um, I guess in addition to that, the alliance really helps us give the uh, the optionality to customers to to work with them from early feasibility studies through process design package development uh, to feeds and even to, to EPC. So really an end-to-end an -end, 
uh, relationship is is possible because of that because of that alliance. Um, so yeah, at, at the end of the day, I think all those different uh, tasks and activities make sure uh, the customer gets gets the best version of of, of our technology. Yeah, and I, and I think you, you say it very well, David. It's, it's about making sure they get the best the best solution. And one important aspect uh, has to do with the recognition that um, you were mentioning reducing the cost of you know of CO2 capture. That's obviously one of the major challenges. Uh, we recognize it's going to be done through improvement of the process that we've already discussed, but a lot also through improvement of how you engineer and you actually build these plants. Uh, and that's what we're trying to do with Technip, you know, uh, give the, the optimal solution, benefit from the learnings we get project after project. We've been collaborating with them for, for some time now, so to uh, to come up with, with a cost-effective solution. And also tailoring the, the solution we provide to, to the different market segments. You probably don't build a 10 kilotons per year plant like you're, you're building a, a one or two million ton per year plant. So it all has to do with, you know, going back to your question with, with reducing the cost of capture also. Excellent. And so now for CCS to play its part in addressing climate change, is it going to need, a, it's going to need, of course, a huge amount of investment and commitment. So I, I'm just kind of curious, I, is this achievable in your mind? Yeah, I, th I think it is for sure, Lee. Um, I mean, the way I look at this, it's not when we look at CCS, it's not really uh, a question of whether we do it anymore. I think if you look at any net zero projection or scenario, CCS is a requirement, right? And that's that's going to vary depending on which scenario you look at, maybe somewhere between 3 and 15 gigatons per, per annum uh, of storage. So it's a huge challenge for sure. You're right. Um, the investment will be large, um, but I think you have to stack that up as well against against the cost of doing nothing, right? Um, we've already seen lots of damaging uh, weather events in the last few years, so we can see what the um, what the risk of doing nothing is. So I think I think costs will come down. Um, we've we've talked about benefits and, and ways we've seen that already reduce over the last couple of years, and that that will continue to to evolve. Um, as we learn and refine from one project to the to the next and, and build in those learnings. Um, but I think also an expectation that the carbon pricing will will also go up. Um, so just now there's a lot of reliance on on subsidies and incentives to to make projects make sense. Um, but as carbon pricing goes up, the the project economics uh, are start to go, they will start to become more more favorable. So I think that's that's going to help. Um, and when it comes to commitment, um, I'm really positive about that. I mean, every every company that I work with uh, in in this market are really passionate about making CCS work, making their projects a success. So I think um, that will that will really drive things forward uh, in the right direction. Um, I think as long as we have that societal pressure to uh, to make sure that we we continue to decarbonize and, and do so do so more rapidly, then uh, we we can get this done. Excellent. So I got one last question for for you both, and that's just kind of the future of CCS. And I'm kind of curious. Then you know what does 2023 and 2024 look like for CCS projects? Um, for me, I see 
2023 probably is another year where there remains a large focus on advancing projects uh, through delivery of, of process design packages uh, and feeds um, to, to really move projects forward. So in, in some ways, probably not too dissimilar to, to 2022 in that regard, um, but I think the quantity will certainly be, be higher. Um, as, as we see more interest, I, I mentioned the, uh, the IRA earlier, that really is driving things uh, and a lot of activity just now. Um, I think we'll see um, the responses through coming through from Europe um, and also in the UK. Um, I, I saw just over the weekend that the UK is going to announce uh, $20 billion or to even $25 billion uh, committed to CCS. Um, really with the aim of providing the sort of commitment and security that companies need to take these large investment decisions. So, um, so that's that's good to see some progress there. Um, I'd love to see that we get some further clarity um, from from various governments around the world in terms of what what projects will be supported, uh, what those frameworks will look like as well. Um, and then maybe looking ahead to to 2024. Um, I'd really like to see many more projects take final investment decisions. Um, that's what we really need to see to to actually make this tangible, right? This is one thing to do uh, the design studies and the engineering around it, but actually when when those decisions get taken, then it starts to become real, right? Um, so that's that's what I'd like to see in 2024. Excellent. Well, Dave, Laurent, really can't thank you enough for your time today to discuss these important topics within our industry. I mean, like I mentioned in my opening, that, that carbon capture has definitely become a very, very popular topic over the past, I mean, year or two. Uh, so really want to thank you all for providing us just a couple minutes of your time. Uh, and of course, we want to thank all of you for listening to the latest installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column. 